The Soul of Detroit Radio Theater. Starring M.L. Eric and John Windsor. In Deadline, USA. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. Art Fowler. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. In tonight's play, Deadline USA, we will tell you the dynamic story of an investigative reporter whose podcast was his whole life, even to the neglect of his lovely young wife. You asked interrogatory questions out of my face. It's gone. What are you doing? What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You might be qualified, MLB. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Hey, kids. It's your old pal, ML Elric, here finally understanding why I never could have succeeded on Detroit City Council had I been elected. Now, I know you're probably thinking, oh, here we go, talking about that election again. We're not really. We're talking about why the city of Detroit is trapped in a spiral of corruption. We're talking about why the city of Detroit and the city council itself desperately needs somebody to step up and say, enough is enough. We're not going to go the way we've gone in the past. It's time to end the culture of corruption. It's time for us to find a new way. It's time for us to set a tone that won't have people saying, oh yeah, Detroit is one of the most corrupt big cities in America, but there's no one to do that. And I say that because last week, I dialed in, as any member of the public could, and watched the sentencing of Andre Spivey, a Detroit City Councilman from my district, a person whose uh, non-corrupt foibles, such as turning in fraudulent petitions to get on a ballot, failing to pay the very taxes that paid his salary, and, and numerous other transgressions were the reason why I got into politics, albeit briefly, because somebody has to stand up and say, enough of this. Well, Mr. Spivey was sentenced to two years in prison last week as part of a bribery scheme. And guess what? The Detroit City Council colleagues who refused to speak out when Gabe Leland was exposed as a crook. Guess what some of them did? What? When Mr. Spivey admitted to being a crook. And when his, his uh, it turned out he actually tried to set up some of his colleagues, they wrote letters urging leniency. They asked the judge hmm. to take it easy on him. Well, because, you know, someday... Could be them, maybe. Well, so I guess I guess the no snitch culture were past that because now you got a guy who tried to put people in a trick bag, and instead of saying, "Well, snitch, ditches snitches get dit, end up in ditches," they say, uh, uh, "Trickers get uh, treats," such as a letter. That's that's not as catchy. Why well, we we're, we're workshopping it. This is, this is a work, more work. This is a work in progress. Um, that voice of reason you just heard is Mr. Mark <laughs> yeah. Fellhauer. Your uh, co-pilot and producer. And our special guest this week is Michael Bellotta, who spent most of his career ending this kind of corruption and is spending the rest of his career fostering it. <laughs> so that's yeah, kind of weird. He did a great job ending it. So he's going he's gonna to try and... He's gonna try, yes, I guess if you can't, uh, if you can't beat him, uh, defend him. So uh, <laughs> Michael is now a defense attorney, but he has worked on a lot of these cases. And he... In all fairness to defense to be attorneys, at that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I don't, you know, like, like all defense attorneys, he now has a lot of cars. <laughs> I, I, I did upgrade a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, so no, uh, Michael's going to talk just a little bit about some of these cases because he did prosecute a lot of them and he did play 
a role in the Andre Spivey prosecution, which both makes him a great guy to talk to and also kind of a shitty guy to talk to because there's some things that he can't tell us because uh, unlike most of our local politicians, he's still worried Uncle Sam might do something to him. And later on in the show, believe it or not, a special treat or maybe a punishment, Sean Windsor is going to join us to talk about the Sean Windsor of coaching, Mr. Ted Lasso, which is uh, a Lasso. current TV show. Lasso. Well, that's the English pronunciation. Oh, God. That's how they, that's how they say it on Carnegie Are we in Street. England? He is. Are we? Well, we're speaking English. So Mark's already upset. So. Right, I'll translate it. It's lasso. So or... so we I guess we don't need Sean because Mark's already <laughs> jumping all over everything. So so we're off to a roaring start here. And uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about, uh, tell you what happened at Clark Park, and thank our friends at Altus who provided a keg of beer that uh, kept the hockey players hydrated and happy. And when I went to go pick up that keg of beer, um, my man, Mr. Altus, Carl Erickson, was kind enough to let me sample the new Altus or maybe it's Altus. Mark, what, what's the rule? I don't, I don't know. Where are we whatever, now? Whatever you say it is. Copper Lager Brothers. This is the new flavor. Sportsman Copper Lager from Altus. It's outstanding. It's got a nice little malty taste to it. You can find that at independent grocers all over the place. Mm. And you can find Altus all over the place. But you can also find it at Meyer. So if you're looking to do all your shopping at one place, the Thrifty Acres have got lots of quality beers there for people who... Uh, are thrifty, and you can find out more about Altus at altus.com. That's A L T E S.com. A Detroit original is back, and it's chilling in my garage and uh, played no role whatsoever in the mild hangover I had on Sunday after the Clark Park I'm game. Sure. So, hangover or concussion? Uh, no, it was some of it was a hangover. There may have been some sort of a whiplash just from watching all the other guys fly past me because they were all skating so fast, and I'm standing there saying, I'm open, I'm open, and like, get, shit, get off the ice. But, but we raised a lot of money for kids, and uh, we hope that before this show is over, you'll help us raise a little bit of money, too. And, and then, you know, when you talk about money, we have to talk about our sponsors, the people who help keep this show on the air, starting first and foremost with the man who will help you save a ton of money on your mortgage. Hi, I'm David Hall from Hall Financial. Choosing between a 15 or 30 year mortgage can be difficult, which is why we offer the Modern Mortgage, a flexible term that's customized for you. 866-CALL-HALL or chat with us online at callhallfirst.com. Wow. Yeah, so that Modern Mortgage is great. They no longer, um, you know, you don't have to give like three goats as a down payment and, um, and you know, maybe, uh, maybe several furlongs of... Uh, you have to Whatever give a twig back in the day. You gave a twig. I learned that in law school. Really? A twig? A twig. It was, it was symbolic. Like a hockey stick? Pepper. That's what they no, call it. Just no, a, just a, actually a twig. From An a, ol- a literal olive branch? Yes. Oh. And what happened if you, if you defaulted? They, was a they <laughs> broke your twig? I mean, what was the, what was the, uh, what was the, the punishment? It was a symbolism starting that you are actually going to go through with the deal, I think. I don't know. I didn't get a very good grade. Where they are. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so uh, 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 Mike is not doing property law, uh, fortunately. He is doing criminal defense, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Um, and I think he's probably doing okay financially, which means he might be looking for somebody to help manage that money so that he can retire early, like I did, by deciding to run for politics. <laughs> How'd that work out? It was no. uh, it was uh, involuntary retirement, actually. Involuntary <laughs> yes. retirement. Are you talking about calling Luke Nowacki? That's the only guy I'd call? Our buddy at Pinnacle Well, 248-663-4748, that one? That's the very same one. 
because he provides rational financial advice. The market's been bananas the last two days. It's irrational. And he's rational, yes. which is why he's, so don't, don't he's your Don't flip rock. out. Buy the dip or anything. I don't know. Ask Luke what to do. Get advice. Get a strategy. Once again, Luke Nowacki, Pinnacle Well, 248-663-4748. He does um, not only personal stuff, but if you have a business, you want to set up a 401k or any of that, give Luke a call. He'll know more about the Twig Exchange, too. Exactly. Yeah, but, but the most important thing Luke does... Is he makes it all about you, sweetheart. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member FINRAS.TC. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. So I'm going to try and I'm going to try and contain myself. Um, I want to go over the highlights of the Spivey sentencing again. This really isn't just about Andre Spivey. This is really about Detroit and where we are. Twenty years of corruption uh, that we know about. And are we in a better place or a worse place? You know, the Detroit City Council uh, tried to remove Kwame Kilpatrick because they felt that he was no longer fit to be mayor. This, the people of Detroit changed the charter of the city of Detroit to give our city council the power to remove elected officials who had betrayed their oath of office. That was a very affirmative and a very definite change that was made to make sure that we could get out of this death spiral, this trap that we're in. Since then, we've had Gabe Leland, who was proven by the feds, by myself, by other people, of being a complete and utter crooked scumbag. No one on city council said a word. No one on city council moved to remove him, even with the new powers that they wanted to remove bad actors. Andre Spivey admitted to committing bribery. Not only did no one make a move on city council to remove him or even to criticize him, even after it was revealed that Andre Spivey tried to set up his colleagues on city council with confidential informants and undercover people to essentially play a role in entrapping them, or perhaps he would argue in helping expose more corruption on city council, the kind of which he was himself practicing, they didn't say anything. And when he pleaded guilty and was sentenced Two of his colleagues, or at least let me say just one of his colleagues, because I have the letter in front of me, on city letterhead, Brenda Jones, the city council president, wrote a letter to the judge urging leniency for this man who not only betrayed his oath, betrayed his constituents, betrayed his colleagues, but tried to set up his colleagues. And the city council president, who's responsible for setting the tone, charting the course, for Detroit City Council, people of Detroit said, give him a break. I see no benefit in remanding him to jail or prison. Andre is not a threat to the community. Actually, with the test he is going through, he now has a testimony that could be helpful to others. Well, let me tell you how <laughs> Mr. Spivey was helpful to others. Uh, we're told by the feds when they explain expressed their support for a, a strict sentence that he not only took money to try and help people get contracts, but he also acted to disbar or debar competitors. In other words, not only did he say he would help somebody get contracts, but he took some of the chess pieces off the board to make it easier. He sold his vote. And one of the things that came up in dispute that I thought was hilarious, it wasn't resolved to anybody's satisfaction was, did he take money to go to Vegas 
Or did he take money when he got back from Vegas? Because when he went to Vegas, he spent some money, so he didn't have money to pay his bills. So was the bribe <laughs> money for the trip or to pay for the bills that he couldn't pay for because he went on the trip? So that's, that's you know, it's a big question mark we'll never answer. But I think when we're, when we're quibbling over things like that, the only conclusion you can come to is bad dude. And this was a man of God. This was a man who was fairly advanced in his law school education and he didn't know this was wrong. So I guess he forgot a couple commandments and I guess he forgot what they taught him in, in law school, which I believe he went to uh, for free on a scholarship. So we paid for that too. In addition to the 80 to $90,000 salary, he got uh, the uh, city car he got and the staff he hired, one of whom he tried to ensnare in the bribery scheme. So yeah, let's 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 give him a break. You know who else thinks he should get a break? Who? Um uh, Bruce Simpson, the city's ombudsman. Uh, that is a position chosen by the city council, so maybe this is Bruce's way of saying thanks for your vote uh for this job, uh Councilman Spivey. But this is the person who's supposed to make sure that when bullshit's happening in the city of Detroit, something gets done about it. This is supposed to be a person who looks out for the people of Detroit. The people of Detroit have been betrayed by Councilman Spivey, and now the ombudsman said, let's give him a break. And that's on City of Detroit letterhead, too, which is entirely inappropriate. Another person so, who so, used so their do, letterhead? Let me ask you this. Do you think they're doing it because they believe it's the right thing to do, because uh, he's one of their own, or politically it's not a big deal for them to support them because people in the city just don't care about corruption. Uh, terrific. Which one of those terrific three? questions? Well, unlike Thank you, unlike these letter readers, I'm not able to read into somebody's soul or look into the depths of their <laughs> I, character. I just want you to guess with your opinion, but partly it's because city hall remains a club. If you're there, you're part of the club. If you're one of the folks who gets a spot in the parking lot where people like me have to wait out there with the camera and a microphone to try and get some answers, you can pretty much do no wrong. Here's the other thing. It's because a lot of people in City Hall don't serve the people of Detroit. The people of Detroit don't want this corruption. We didn't send somebody to City Council so they could take bribes. Is it, is it because, I mean, a lot of times in the political arena... These folks are out of touch. Mainly because you have two parties and they love to attack each other because that's part of the game. Is that is that Could that be a reason? They just There's no reason to attack each other because you're all part of the same political party? So on this very show, when we talked about Gabe Leland and people asked, well, are the other council members not saying anything because they might be in trouble? I said, I don't think so at all. Huh. Now I'm not so sure. Yeah. yeah. Since well, that, then, we've that, had Spivey revealed as a crook. We've had two other council members, by the way, they didn't write letters, um, who had their, their offices and their homes searched by the FBI. Uh, and these are the two council members who Spivey uh, reportedly tried to set up. So I guess that's maybe why they're not writing him a letter for leniency. But I think what we desperately need in City Hall is someone to stand up and say, this is enough. This is where we draw the line. We will not condone this. And we sure as hell won't write get out of j jail letters for people. And I want to read you one more letter from Wayne County's treasurer. Eric Sabri, at least he didn't write it on on uh, on city letterhead or on county letterhead, so we'll give him that. I, I want to read you a line that really jumped out at me. And of course, Mister Sabri has had some of his own problems with questions <laughs> about 
properties that he made available to relatives to sell, presumably at a now profit. We know, now we know his motive. Well, you know, so here's, here's, what, here's one of the lines that really jumped out from, from Treasurer Sabri's letter. Mr. Spivey has demonstrated repeatedly that he is a caring man who gave of himself to help others and asked for nothing in return. The very definition of bribery is asking for something in return. And in fact, Spivey acknowledged that he took money, but here's what he said, actually, contradicting Mr. Sabri even some more. I actually didn't do what I said I would do for the money. So that's why you should let me go, because I'm a bad oh, yeah. bribe that's, taker. That's going to hold a lot of weight. This, this, yeah, these, being a bad bribe taker doesn't mean you're not a bribe taker. These are your leaders. These are the people who are supposed to set the bar for integrity and public service. It's like, it's like hiring a hitman, and he misses. You still did it. Yeah. Did the crime. Well, I, let's bring in... Uh, what are we going to do next? Make a movie about Sammy the Bull? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Michael Bellotta, you work, did you work on Spivey? I did work on Spivey, and so I can't talk about, obviously, the... <clears throat> Thanks for coming on, Mike. Investigated part of it. So I'll see you guys next time. <laughs> what, what I, but, I, but I certainly can address this this whole thing. and I have to take a little bit of, a, of um, uh, an issue with the way you're framing the, all this, which is, you know, when is this going to end? This is systematic. Well, you don't want it to end now. These are right. clients. That's that's right. I mean, but, this is job security, brother. But I have a, a different perspective, and it is that that there's corruption throughout the country, and it only gets uncovered when you have the right system in place to uncover it. And it seems like Detroit is so corrupt, but it's only, I think, a lot of it has to do with the fact that in the last 15 years, this district, the Eastern District of Michigan, which is Detroit, we led the nation in number of cases. And I attributed a lot to um, the agents that I worked with in public corruption in Detroit, including Special Agent Bob Beckman, who's an unbelievable agent. And he could he could cultivate sources like the source that you see in the Spivey case that other agents in other cities, maybe they don't, they can't do that. And I know that for a fact because in Macomb County, for the longest time, people were saying, Anthony Morocco is corrupt. He's making us buy these tickets. And it, it took uh, Agent Beckman and people like that to cultivate some some sources. And we got the sources. It took us a while. We got had a, on a bunch of wiretaps, and I shouldn't say we anymore, my, my former <laughs> self. We did all of that. And it's there. And so corruption is there. It exists. It's in different incarnations because... The, of the culture of different cities. So in, in Macomb County, for instance, it wasn't the bag of cash usually. It was Mr. Morocco, the head of the Department of Public Works, which is a huge entity in Macomb County. It handles all the underground contracting, just like the Detroit Water and Sewerage Department did in the Kilpatrick era. And so you had someone like that, and he wasn't a bag, a, a bag of money kind of guy. He just You had to buy these tickets, and they were thousands of dollars twice a year that these contractors had to pay for or else... They didn't get normal things that business owners should get, like soil erosion permits to build houses, like um, just just contracts when their company was the lowest bid. They just didn't get what they should have gotten. They didn't have a level playing field until they bribed Morocco, and that's what he's ind- currently indicted with right now. And, of course, he's presumed innocent. Um, uh, I will say that as a prosecutor, former prosecutor and defense attorney, but it's just – I believe that there's corruption in all these cities. It's just in different – forms and shapes based on the, the the historical customs of the way corruption happens. And and to say that Detroit is, you know, the worst or, you know, and when will this ever end? It's not gonna end. Okay. It's like drug dealing. When there's there's someone that, that needs money, um, and they have they have 
the character and they have the, the character flaw of saying, of justifying it, which a lot of them do. I don't get paid a lot of money. I do all this good work. So I deserve to get paid a little bit. Do you, and, do you think it's the person or do you think it's the game, the position? It's, it's both. Is it it's too the, easy? It's the culture yeah. and it's the, it's the person. A lot of times I, I, I think people in the position of Mr. Spivey, they look around and if they see another another council member driving a nice car or doing certain things, they assume that they're... Entitled to it? Yeah, yeah they're entitled to it. And I, I think I mentioned it before in this, in this very broadcast that in the Kilpatrick investigation, we had a very, very interesting um, bug that was placed at the Pancake House in oh, yeah. Oak. And on that bug, Bernard Kilpatrick, Kwame's dad, is explaining to a representative of a company that got a billion-dollar contract for sledge hauling with the city... Bernard Kilpatrick was explaining how they 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 basically divided up the city. He and he he mentioned this. This is not me talking. He said he, myself, um, Mike Duggan, and Ed McNamara sat down and we carved up the city. That that's what he said. So you know, My God, that sounds like a gangster movie. Wait, wait, wait. He said Bernard Kilpatrick said on this wiretap yeah. that Mike Duggan was involved in carving up. Yeah, and Ed McNamara. So why didn't you guys go after Duggan? Well. And I, I don't want to disparage the mayor. Um, well, you kind of just did. Well, no, I'm repeating what was said on a video, on a, on a wiretap tape. It was played in open court in the Kilpatrick case. But you guys did go after McNamara, but it was before the recording was done. I think he may have been dead at the time the recording was made, it was right? A, well, that was, out that of was office. an investigation that was involved in, and that involved basically um, doing doing campaign work on city time or county time. So that was not that was not a, a bribery case. But there was a search warrant done of his his location. Some people in my office at the time were in favor of it, and a lot of people, like myself, were not a fan of it because I, I don't think that it was warranted at the time. But you know, of now, let's just be clear because we, we don't want to get in trouble with pronouns here. When you say there's a search on his office, are you referring to Mike Duggan? Ed I'm sorry, McNamara? I'm sorry, Ed McNamara. Um, there was never a search that I know of, of Mike Duggan's office. He's right. Never so this would have been when Mike Duggan crimes. was either at the DMC or at. Uh, at uh, a deputy county executive or something. That's right. So you're talking about, because uh, I remember that search being done. It was like in the early 2000s. I mean, we're talking about maybe 2000 because I think McNamara left office shortly after that. That's right. That's right. And um, I don't think Mike Duggan was very happy about that um, that search warrant. He's made, made a lot of public statements at the time. He was very upset. And I think that turned his relationship with the, with the federal government. Um, turned him sort of against the feds. Well, you, you're taking us kind of off course. We got to, we got to, we got to lift the needle well, here. Well worth it, though. Yeah. <laughs> Are you saying that at one time the federal government thought it had evidence of public corruption involving Mike Duggan? I mean, clearly they did with McNamara because there was a prosecution. There was a search. Some people, you know, Wilborn Kelly and others pleaded guilty to taking things from contractors. But uh, I, I think we're entitled to know whether the feds at one time thought Mike Duggan might be... Yeah. A little greasy. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying that. All I'm doing is repeating what was said on the tape by Bernard Kilpatrick. Well, it's definitely that, worth investigating if he says yeah. that. Yeah. And I, so, I mean, you can assume that that everyone where there's any kind of predication is being investigated, but there's nothing. There's nothing that I know of that was, you know, found out to show that he committed any crime. That Mike Duggan committed any crime. So I'm not. I don't mean to. To, um, but but I, I the reason that I raise that is because. I, I was trying to support my point of there being sort of a culture and a history to every city. And w- 
the form that corruption takes, a lot of times I think it just goes along the same lines as the predecessor. So the, the predecessor before Anthony Morocco, for instance, was another another um, Detroit uh, Water and Sewer, uh, sorry. Macomb um, County Public Works uh, yeah, Commissioner. DPW, uh, Department of Public Works Commissioner. And I'm blanking on his name, but he is alleged to have done sort of the same stuff as Morocco. So Morocco comes in and says, and says, you know, this is this is my time. You know? Oh, I know. And, and, and when and, I was busting Fakano at the Free Press, he would say, we sell <laughs> tickets the same way that McNamara did. I'm just doing what people did before me. And I heard from the Kilpatricks that this is what the way it's always been done. But the, the, the thing is, and this is one of the points Mark brought up a minute ago, or one of the questions he brought up a minute ago, some of it's because there aren't people looking for this. Some of it's because there aren't people finding this. And while Beckman is an outstanding agent, I know people who are calling... Uh, agents in that Macomb Bureau for years, Gene Shabath for one, and the agents were dropping the ball or they couldn't put the pieces together. But you also have to remember that the, the media was exposing us. Jim Schaefer and I and Jennifer Dixon and, and Patty Monomer and David Zeman were breaking these stories. And while you guys had very good sources, you guys also had very good subscriptions. And I encourage everybody to subscribe to the Free Press and the Detroit News. But you know, that work isn't being done as much anymore, partly because the media has, has become so stripped down, but also because they're not devoting the resources to City Hall that they once did. Right. And, 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 and so, and I'm, I'm going to go for just one more second on this, Mike. You know, this is the soul of Detroit, so we're not really talking about the soul of Terre Haute, Indiana, whether it's cor corrupt or not. And, and certainly there was a lot of corruption exposed in 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 Macomb County, and some of it did involve hand-to-hand -hand cash because I saw your people testify when you were prosecuting those cases. So, yes, there's corruption everywhere. We're born of corruption. I think that's somewhere in, in the Bible. But, uh, but the fact is, in Detroit, it's in front of us. It's been, our faces have been rubbed in it, and there's still nobody in City Hall, not the mayor, not the city council, not nobody who's willing to stand up and say, we are now aware of it. It's now undeniable. We cannot look away anymore. In fact, the crooks among us are trying to ensnare some of us in crooked activity, but we will not speak against it. We won't say a word against it. In fact, we will speak in favor of the corrupt. Of the person, yeah. That's just, you know, that's the biggest steaming pile of bullshit I'm aware of yeah. So many ever. So many different tentacles here. First off, Morocco, what... What is going on with him? Isn't His trial is scheduled for the summer. I think it's oh, slow down. Well, Why is that taking so long? Well, we had COVID, you know, last two. Oh, years. I forgot about that. Well, plus, they had a key witness who was <laughs> had some health Where issues. And is do you know Bucci's still alive? By the way, yes. Okay, because he was supposed to die like four years ago, which is why the case got delayed. But then he went to the Caribbean, so I guess he's 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 muddling through. So back to, that's been a tricky case. Back to Councilman Spivey, he gets uh, two years. Yes. For uh, was it thirty? How much? How much it's was the price? Thirty thousand. About thirty-six. Thirty-six. 000. Although, which I naturally assume is probably way more than that. But thirty-five thousand nine hundred. Yes. Well, the the, pro the okay. prosecutor on this, David Gardy, said that uh, that they were aware of uh, another business person that that uh, Spivey had offered to help others with contracts. So we know about the thirty-five thousand. Yeah, it's, and it's what can be proven, and that's whatever. So so two years for that, and I've heard a lot of people say this because then Gabe Leland gets. Um, um, what did he get? Probation. Walk. Yeah, probation. You got to walk. Now one's federal and one is state. But why? Why the discrepancy? In your that's opinion, a, that's a great question. Thank I, you. I, I know. <laughs> Very good question. <laughs> that was not a compliment. Um, it was concise. It, just, it was to it, the it point. Just, it doesn't matter who said it. Um, <laughs> Sorry. 
But uh, <laughs> there is a very good reason for it, and it's it's why it's why different sentences happen in different cases. There's so many different vari- variables. The defendant is characteristics, the um, nature of the case, what did they do, and a very important part of the case that people in the public don't ever know because the people in the public don't get discovery. They don't get documents. They don't look through it. They don't have the time or the inclination to do that if they did. And that, lazy bastards. Exactly. That's my point. Uh, people are lazy. Thank you. Mike Bellotta, 1-800-YOU-LAZY-BASTARDS. <laughs> if you're looking for a lawyer. Thanks for the plug. Yes. What, what, what do we not know? He'll plead but, but you out. I'm trying to get there. And so, well, <laughs> but I know the feeling. Yeah, it's a bumpy road, but enjoyable. Um, so, <laughs> what what they don't see is the strength of the case. Okay, I, spe- I finally said it. Because they don't have the discovery. They don't see... Shitty witness, David Gardy, who runs public corruption now, said it in court. A lot of people trying to get Spivey off the hook said, why did Gabe get a pass? It's a question I still wonder to this day, but the Fed's position, Mike said it on this show before, and Dave Gardy said it on record in federal court before Judge Victoria Roberts, we had a shitty witness. We had a that. kooky guy... More than who that. shot some video, and then he got in a big fight with the mayor, and then he got a drunk driving case, and then he got charged with a crime, and so we didn't like our witness. So, uh, but they also, you guys also, he didn't. They also didn't have a, a undercover guy working it like they did with Spy. That witness is is Carmack, right? Bob Carmack. Yeah. yeah. But we we don't like our witnesses all the time. We don't like. We put murder. Yeah, usually on it's rats chairs. who know where the other rats exactly. put yeah. the cheese. But it's different here because this isn't a case that you can do solely on playing a tape. If there were a drug transaction and we ha- we called the courier, let's say he was he was, um, you know, El Chapo's right hand man. We call that person to testify. They might be a terrible person, but it's on tape. You would think in this case we had we had tapes with Gabe Leland, or they had tapes with Gabe Leland, and you know that should be enough. Except with public corruption, the, the tapes aren't always – that's not the whole story because you have to prove that the intention of the public official is to accept the money in exchange for doing certain actions, uh, official actions. And so we needed karma. They needed So something karma. that's not as tangible it's as accepting tangible. drugs. Yeah, or yeah. robbing a bank or yeah. murder, anything like yeah, that. But you, you had the public record where Gabe was blocking the transaction for this land that Carmack wanted to hold on to. You know he took the 7500 bucks because it was your money. And you know, it, while while they claimed that it was a campaign finance uh, uh, action that he was taking a, a campaign contribution, he never reported it. The campaign finance limit for city council is well below seventy five hundred dollars. And uh, we've played the tapes on this show where the guy says, "I should, I, I like you. I should ask for thirty thousand dollars." I mean. You know, I mean, this is a pretty strong case, but you know, whatever, man. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> the uh, our star, the, the star witness in the case, Carmack, since he became a witness, proceeded to be indicted for a million dollars worth of fraud, lying to people about ownership of property, and um, he was also caught. Um, arrested for drunk driving, I believe. Well, that's he what was, I just said. He was a shitty witness. He was taping. I know, but but. They're, they're, we, we, in the eyes of the law, he's a really shitty witness. Yeah, the federal government, and, and when I was in AUSA, assistant U.S. attorney, it was very important for me to, to know when I put a witness on the stand that what that witness was going to say would be the truth. And there, were, there was backstory to the tapes that we needed to really prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt. And that, it's a little bit too much to go into detail. It's a little nuanced. 
for the show, but just 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 fair to say. Oh, we're all this is the nuance hour, brother. <laughs> well, you have to. You have Sean to. Windsor loves nuance. He's just sitting at home saying, "Give me some of that nuance with yeah. a little Casey Barber sauce on a on a side." So it was, it was in the form of a campaign contribution. That also makes it harder because campaign contributions are protective activity under the First Amendment, and there's there's Supreme Court cases. It seems like it's it. the difference between knowing and proving. Yeah, we we know we know what it was, yeah. and you know. You guys hated Carmack. It's that simple. Dave Gardy said it. <laughs> so there were there were proof issues. I guess leave it at that. Proof issues, and uh, we we were we were very happy to get. A, I was anyway. I'll speak for myself. I was happy that he was off city council and that he was convicted of a felony. Yeah, but you guys could have made so, him quit city council sooner. And you didn't. You left him on there where he could vote for quarter billion dollar bond issues, and and on top of that. You open the door to what we had with the Spivey sentencing where people would say, you let Gabe walk because he's white and Andre's black and so you're going to try and nail him to They're the different floor. Cases. They're different cases. Yeah, but this is I, politics. New, perception is, right, is reality. Poli- politics and the, the perception law. is toxic. And politics we talked about that at the though. time you guys let Gabe, uh, you know, do his song and dance in state court and, and, and go get sushi in East Lansing whenever he wants. <laughs> yeah, if you would stop eat, eating sushi with the people that I prosecuted, I'd appreciate that. It would make it more comfortable. I, I did not have sushi. I had the uh, I had a bowl. But it was so great I, that you guys could teriyaki find, chicken. Could finally hug, um, I hug it out. <laughs> we did not hug it out. It's COVID. Uh, how, how about uh, cooperation in this, uh, particularly Spivey, because that came up and uh, he didn't seem to... Uh, he, they they argue that oh no I cooperated the whole time but the prosecution he, he did not didn't. feel that way he, he did didn't. not and okay. I, I can say that just based on what I've seen um, yeah and Dave Gardy said it too on the record I mean there's right. the the government's position was this guy tried to blow our case but how much does that affect his sentencing completely it completely affects it because if he, let's say that he that he did not do what what Mr Gardy said that he did which is um, warning other people of the investigation. And trying to ensnare his own staff, trying to make them complicit. In fact, Gardy said when they were talking about what a great mentor that uh, Spivey was, that instead of mentoring this staffer, instead of mentoring this person, Mr. Spivey brought him into the conspiracy and, and made him a criminal ally. Well, that, that's kind of a different issue. The, the issue, the reason that um, Spivey's cooperation fell apart is because the government couldn't trust him. He was warning people of the investigation, much like Chuck Rizzo, if you remember that case. But he bought four jackets to wear a wire. Not Detroit. Remember that detail? <laughs> yeah. Did, did, did Spivey tell you that when you were on the case that, that I did cooperate because I bought four suit coats that I could, I could modify to wear a wire? So let me go. Those suit coats are important. You got to hide those little cameras. Um, but uh, yeah, so so I think I think that uh, he would have gotten probably, let me guess, maybe a year. So year let's be a- clear: the feds asked for him to get, um, I believe, it was almost up to somewhere between three and four years. He ended up getting th- two twenty-four months. Wanted no time, right. and uh, and you're saying, Michael, that the feds might have recommended Absolutely. two years instead of three. I didn't even see a 5K. I didn't see a, a downward departure motion at all in the case. They didn't move to reduce the sentence at all. And he's someone that, by his own attorney's you know statements, wore wires, you know, w- w- recorded people, and like you just talked about, tried to bring other people into the conspiracy. So he was he did some some things, but then that then he turned. And he did things that the government found out about that he shouldn't have been doing. And so he turned in what could have been a fantastic cooperation opportunity for himself. If I were his attorney, I would have, I would have 
tried to make sure. I'm an idiot. I know Mr. Elliot Hall well. He's a very good attorney. But, I mean, you can't control your client completely. But certainly if he had kept, if, if Mr. Spivey had kept his word to the government, he would be in a totally different position. When you were Chuck, a prosecutor, did you have other cases like that where someone's cooperation? Yeah, yeah I was just talking about Chuck Rizzo. Yeah. It, it fell apart because his attorney passed away and he hired another attorney. That other attorney came to town and said... You know, Chuck Rizzo is not going to wear a wire anymore. He's not going to do anything oh, unless you guarantee. There's a new sheriff in town. I'm sure the exactly. uh, prosecutors love that. So an outsider yeah, coming in. And, yeah, and so he just blew it up. Now Chuck Rizzo is serving his six and a half year sentence in federal prison, where he could have also been in, in, you know, in the running for maybe a year. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, he was. He was. Uh, he could have been the next James Rosendahl, who was a complete and utter. And not just because of the mullet piece of shit who ended up doing 11 months because he went to work for the feds. So, so Michael, I want to ask you if you can clarify something that, uh, that David Gardy, the, uh, the prosecutor... Uh, I, don't, who, I don't agree with your uh, characterization of Jim Rosendahl, by the way. I got to know him. You like the mullet? Um, wasn't a fan so of So you're pro-mullet. <laughs> Let's get that out there right now because that's important. Um, you know, your wife right. is from Canada, right. so I'll, I know, that, a good I know that she loves mullets. Yeah. A, a good mullet and, and a fine wine. Go great together. <laughs> sure. I, but but um, what was I saying? How the hell do you even keep your, your train of thought on this show? I know. I swear to God, like, just try and stick to the truth, Michael. It comes out easier. Yeah. <laughs> so James Rosendahl, James Rosendahl came to Detroit yeah. and bribed a bunch of councilmen with Rayford Jackson, another piece of shit, to try and get a billion dollar shit burning deal. And Mike's here to say he's a good dude. Fine line, gentlemen. There's a fine line between corruption, between, between sexy and <laughs> not love and hate. There's a fine line between a an extortion victim and a bribe payer, and when I say that, I mean people like Rosenthal when they come into the they come on the scene, and they, he had a lot of pressure from his company to set, to make this contract happen. It was a 20 year contract or 25 year contract, I think, for hauling sludge worth 1.2 billion dollars, and he came to town and he was he was hit up by people like Rayford Jackson, and he was hit up by people like you know Rayford fronting for Monica Conyers. And he, he did not want to lose the opportunity to for this contract, so he he paid the money. He he was he was What happened to he you, was, Michael? It was extorted by by uh, Bernard Kilpatrick. But is Kwame, it, isn't wait, isn't you know the story? Kwame, isn't, isn't the recommendation that that you have when somebody comes to town and is extorted that you call the feds as opposed to call your bank and say I need to increase my credit limit? All right. How often do you think that happens with with not a salesman often that's trying enough, to, my to, to get a one point two billion dollar contract? I mean, let's. I know that I know the aspirations of, of this show, and I know that what you want the community and, and society to be, but that and the reality are just different. I think if you tell the people of Detroit or any community, hey, if there's enough money on the line, we're going to excuse a certain amount of criminality. They're going to say, you said what now? No, I'm explaining human human behavior. And the reason that James Rosendale didn't call the FBI is because he wanted his contract to happen so he would keep his job and, and make a lot of money. And if he didn't make it happen and didn't satisfy Rayford Jackson and others and pay Bernard Kilpatrick to be a quote-unquote consultant, then it would have gone, you know, he could have lost everything. So that, that was his calculus. Or he could have said to his bosses, this isn't right, I'm not going to do it this way, and I'm going to go work for somebody who's not a complete piece of shit. That that is the idea. A lot ideal. of people that's do what, that. In a utopia. What, and those are the people we should celebrate. Sure. Not yeah, make yeah. excuse for mullet wearing bribe paying assholes. It's not an excuse. It's understanding the motivations. And and for the some motivation people, is money. greed. Money. Yeah. 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 So okay. So greed is good. Thank you, Gordon Gecko. But I, I want to ask you if you can clarify <laughs> something else for us. Um, uh, 
Mr. Gardy said that that Spivey uh, introduced bribery to colleagues or briber mm. to colleagues on city council. Did he do that before he was cooperating with the federal government or after he had uh, signed a cooperation agreement or and is there actually do you actually sign something? I mean, is this a contract? Yeah. So a cooperation agreement is is like a contract. It's, it's and you a, spell out what's expected of you and what you're going to do. Yeah. And so there's two parts to it. One part is with the United with, with with the prosecutor's office, the U.S. Attorney's office, and the other part is with the FBI. So when you become an informant, you get signed up with the FBI. You get a, a lot of most of the time you get a, a cute little nickname like. And do they give you like a mouse pad and like a coffee mug? Apollo or something. It's some it, sure. A lot of times it's a Greek scumbago. Okay. No, it's it's usually you don't want to really upset your Rosendalo by by giving them a nickname like Gecko. You don't want to do that. So it's usually something more innocuous. But you have it. But but you you're explaining the rules. Like you you can't go commit a crime that's not you're not told to commit. For instance, that's right. You can't told. freelance. You can't freelance because that happens. And then the informant will say, well, I was working for the FBI. No, you weren't. You didn't get pre-approval to go commit a robbery when you're being you're cooperating on co- public corruption or something. So you, 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 so you sign that agreement. You, you, you have that understanding with the FBI. And then you also have a separate agreement with the government in the form of a plea and cooperation agreement. That's a totally separate agreement. But, yeah, there are, there are agreements. So do you know if he was trying to uh, get his colleagues involved in this racket um, – before or after he was playing ball with uh, Uncle Sam? Um, I, I can't really comment on that. Um, but, you know, obviously there has to be predication. There has He had to be doing something um, illegal or else there wouldn't be an investigation open. I, I may have mentioned this before on your show. There's a two-source a two predication requirement for public corruption cases of public officials. So with Kilpatrick, we had an anonymous letter about Cobo Hall corruption, and then we had an informant saying that he had to bribe Kwame's dad to get a contract. So we had two sources. That's how that opened, and there were there were surely two sources in this Spivey investigation as well. Um, got an email from Jim. I thought this was kind of an interesting question. Kind of what Jim you, Rosendahl? <laughs> kind of what you were just talking about. But he wanted to know if there was ever uh, any kind of public official that did a crime that you just couldn't get the green light from higher-ups uh, to pursue it or actually be able to prove it in court, which we kind of hit on a little bit, and then that official went on. He's not asking for names, just wondering, like, the scope of the yes. crime. All right, go go on. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you don't want the name. <laughs> well, I know, but um, you can kind of paint a, paint a picture actually, of Actually, I want the name. Don't worry about my mark. All right. I, Jesus. All right. So I know of, a, of some, a big target that from the 80s where there was a particular prosecutor who wrote a very long memo, and it went to Washington, and the prosecutor th- thought that he had plenty of evidence. I've looked at th- what he wrote. And I thought he had enough evidence, and it was and for Coleman Young and Chris Andrioff. Whatever reason, it just got shot down, and so Jimmy Carter. So like we see in the movies, so or, yeah, or so like yes. in Billions, where yes, <laughs> but no, it's not. No, the politics, and I, and I think we I may have talked about this on another show, but sorry, but yeah, you're doing, you're doing other shows. <laughs> um, I think it was anyway. You're doing the Defending Dirty Crooks podcast, right? That's uh, <laughs> um, sponsored yeah. by James Rosendahl and. What was I saying? Oh, yeah! Don't uh, let him distract you. It's, it's <laughs> really easy. It's really easy. Yeah, I know. Um, you just gotta let it go in one ear and out the other, like Sean does. That's a great song. <laughs> um, can I have a, Can I have the reporter read back my my question? Yeah, strike that. 
Um, what was I saying? We were talking. Well, about- the big oh, case oh, yeah. that so, got so, nixed, so, and then yeah, politics so, and, and so nothing ever happened. But oh yeah, I was asked about you know just just politics. Maybe it was the show. Does it ever? I think it was ta- we were talking about the the Trump pardon letter from Kwame. I think this is what we were talking about. But it, I've been very very happy. To, I'm very happy to say that in my 23 years with the federal government as as a federal prosecutor, I've never had, and I've done cases that that got that were pretty high profile, and I've never had anything political that I could identify as political leaked down to my level. Because the perception is it happens all the time because of movies and television. Exactly. So to to the average person thinking that, okay, Trump's in office so that only Democrats are now going to be investigated. That's not true because Kwame, we we investigated him under... Obama. uh, Yeah, Obama under... Morocco is a Democrat. George W. is when we started. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway. Yeah, and and I've had the same issue with as a reporter where if bosses are nervous... They typically won't say no. They'll say, go get me more. Like when we did our big expose on Norman Yatuma, initially the paper was reluctant to publish what we had found, which was all true and and backed by public records. And so we did some more digging and we got some more. And then we eventually were able to persuade a reluctant editor or publisher, maybe it was editor and publisher at the time, to publish. Are public corruption cases harder to get convictions on? Yes. Because of the whole idea of bribes and what's yes. tangible what actually did happen yeah it's it's the whole understanding okay you don't when you bribe someone you don't have a contract and say i'm giving this money you're gonna get yeah um having said that i have seen something close to that in kilpatrick but that's we're not gonna go back to that but but um so, so it's all about proving that when the per when the official received the the free work on their garage or their you know the new car or whatever that it wasn't given as a friendly gift. It wasn't given as a, a sign of affection. It wasn't given for any other reason except that there was an implicit understanding that the public official who accepted it knew that they were supposed to do something in their official capacity. Supposed to do something. It doesn't mean that they actually did it, as I think the government pointed out in the Spivey briefs, just that they agreed to do it. And, and they, they knew that they weren't getting something for free for no reason. And, and, and Alonzo Bates, to take you way back. Oh, yeah, I remember Alonzo. And this is a great example of what ML was talking about earlier about the press and, and news investigative reporters bringing a case to the federal government. That case came to me from Scott Lewis um, about Alonzo Bates having having um, people on his payroll, the city Didn't payroll. Didn't do any work. Weren't even here, right? Yeah, yeah one of them was New his York girlfriend's and, yeah. daughter who was mm-hmm. going to NYU in New York City. Um, so, yeah, so... So um, that that is definitely something, um, you know, that happens. Hmm. So one of the things that um, that David Gardy said when he was advocating for a sentence for Mr. Spivey is that we need to send a message. We need to make it clear. A message needs to be sent to the community that bribery will be punished. There will be severe consequences. And Mr. Spivey's attorney and something like a hundred letter writers said he had paid enough of a price that he had, he wouldn't be able to return to preaching. Um, Now, of course he stepped down from his church uh, several years ago so he could go to law school and all that other stuff. Um, But when, uh, when his attorney Elliot Hall said, there's a question whether he can, whether he can uh, preach again and whether uh, if he completes his law school degree, he'll be able to pass the character and fitness uh, test that lawyers have to pass. Uh, and uh, 
And the judge said, first of all, well, uh, Kwame Kilpatrick's preaching, so I don't know that yeah. being convicted of public corruption is uh, is a disqualification. Oh, it actually helps the narrative yeah. of redemption. Um, but, but, but you have to admit that you were wrong first. True. Yes, well, we did a whole show last week on that. Check that out, folks. There's some great stuff there. Okay, not redemption, crucifixion then, but, as yeah. Kwame would say. But one of the, one of the great things is, is uh, I thought Judge Roberts, and she was in a very difficult position. First of all, Judge Roberts is a very uh, astute judge. She's a very brave judge. When uh, there was a federal prosecution of these, these yokels who were playing army out in the woods, the Hutari, she, she called the media and said, this is a bum case and I'm turning them all loose. So she's willing to get out there on a ledge. And there's a lot of pressure on her as a black judge from the black community to say, hey, we can't send another one of our guys to prison. We've got to be, we've got to show some more grace here. And um, what do you think of that, by the way, that that sort of expectation of a, of a black jurist to treat Black defendants. Well, this is time immemorial. You, you had the Irish. You got to let O'Shaughnessy off because you know it used to be no Irish need apply, and now we can't keep talking it to them. Or you know, don't lock up another uh, another Italian because it you know there's an anti defamation league, and it'll it'll reinforce the notion that we're all part of the mob. Yeah. But every, every community case. has these concerns that when then a member, a leading member of their community, is in the crosshairs that that the uh, that the fallout will affect everybody. To, to answer your question briefly, if you did a crime, you should pay the price. It doesn't matter who you are, what you look like. If there's some extenuating circumstance, like you sold a, stole a loaf of bread to feed your family, yeah. that's an extenuating circumstance. You needed money to pay some bills after you came back from Vegas, not an extenuating circumstance. Right, so should there be a affirmative action in sentencing? Should judges treat people differently to sort of make up for the way they've been treated over the years? Well, the problem is justice hasn't been blind. And we want it to be blind. True. But I think the solution to justice not having been blind in the past is not to say, pull up the veil now and let's let's uh let's just let let bad conduct be excused. You know <laughs> Judge Judge Roberts put this very well when people talked about the price he's paid and the potential price he'd paid. She said the impact on the defendant is not the major concern of the court consequences are not a sentence and that it was his actions are a complete betrayal of the public trust. It doesn't matter if he failed to deliver on the promise to help or not. He betrayed his trust and it was not a lapse of judgment. It was a pattern of conduct. Now at the same time, she cited people like Monica Conyers, former city council president, Sam Riddle, Alonzo Bate, uh, some of the folks from out in uh, Macomb County, and even even your guy at the airport and a guy from Wayne County who got 57 months. Riddle and Conyers got 37 months. The feds wanted something like that for, for Spivey, but she gave him two years. So she did show some leniency. Yeah, wow. She did yeah. show some grace. Me, but she didn't buy this whole notion of, ah, oh, my guy made a mistake. He's really embarrassed. Let me go back to your, your comment about uh, Leland getting a break. He's a white guy. No, no, a, I'm saying no. that that got flipped on the feds, okay. as I told you guys it would, right. because it's such an easy play to make. Her response to that was, he did not get prosecuted in federal court for bribery. He got prosecuted in state court, and his sentence was appropriate for what he was charged with in state court. But Because of the evidence. And let me just direct your attention for a minute to a fellow by the name of Dean Reynolds. Fantastic uh, 
councilman out of steaming the, out of, heaping pile of shit out of Clinton Township. But yeah, he he made some mistakes and he he took bribes. But you know his total bribe amount is probably like sixty thousand dollars. He's spending seventeen years in federal prison. And you're the one who asked for that. So I know. I'm just telling you. So that, you're that, walking away from that now? I mean, no, bring, this, you, bring this full circle for me, brother, because I'm confused. Uh, don't be confused. Just listen. Um, Preach. I will. And uh, it's because of the sentencing guidelines. And you, we talked about that with Kilpatrick. The sentencing commission um, is is has the, has the um, uh, responsibility of trying to even out sentences, to make sentences, because we have we have all these different judicial districts, and we don't want your sentence to depend on what district you're in. Now we all know who actually do this this kind of work that that sentences even within a district are very dependent on what judge you pull. So you can't really straighten. Don't it. get Cleveland if you're a defendant. You're going to prison. Um, not necessarily. <laughs> uh, there was a, uh, a fellow recently who ended up. Uh, I think Cleland suggested the case get uh, dismissed, and I believe he didn't get any time. I'm talking about Mr. Sorrentino, if you you are following. I know it's not Detroit, but in the Macomb case, uh, Cleland will go out of his way when appropriate to, you know, make those kinds of calls, even when it benefits the defendant. So I don't I don't agree with that necessarily. Um, but Dean Reynolds, he he got it his time. Because of the sentencing guidelines, it was a, over a million dollars in profit that that the company was going to receive. The company that was paying the bribe, and even though it was all theoretical, because you know the FBI was the one that was bribing him, so you know that all to say that that the ultimate sentence had nothing to do with the color of his skin, had nothing to do with with anything. He went to trial. He he you know wanted to see what the proofs were, and the jury spent less than a half an hour deliberating on fourteen felony counts and. Came back guilty, so you know. I was there. I, I I think I heard him crap his pants when they brought the sentence back, even though everybody in the room knew he was going to get fried. I didn't see him make any any outward um, reaction to anything during the entire trial. So that's hmm. well. So let's be clear. I'm not saying that Gabe got a break because he's white. I'm saying that the minute Gabe got a break. It was going to be thrown back at the federal government that it was because he was white. But I'll tell you, as a Detroiter and as someone who saw city councilman take a bribe and heard the recordings of him negotiating a bribe, I think he should have been charged with bribery. And I think he should be sitting in prison right now. And if he and Andre want to start playing handball in Milan and talk about uh, how cruel the world is, I wouldn't lose a week of sleep. Now, I don't, I don't wish any ill to Mr. Spivey's family or the trauma they're going through. But as with Mr. Kilpatrick, it's a father and a husband's responsibility to make sure that they don't do things that their family will pay for. And if you're going to ask me to pick the suffering of an individual over what an entire city has gone through, what an entire region has gone through, I'm going with the city. I'm going with the region because we didn't have any choice in this. But the guy who's cooked this bullshit up, they had all the choice in the world, be it Rosendahl, Leland, or Spivey. And, and I mean, you can say it with a straight face, but nobody in the world believes that Gabe Leland was taking a campaign contribution from Bob Carmack. Of course not. Go, nobody. Let me ask you a question, Amel. Having recently run for office, and um, albeit unsuccessfully, and talking Rather about- Rather unsuccessfully. <laughs> 
okay, spectac- exceedingly spectacularly unsuccessfully. Twist that knife, Mike. I wouldn't say I spectacularly. Ball of flames. Okay, I'm sorry about the gecko. I'm sorry about the gecko comment. I take it back. I take it back. Dental records couldn't even. Anyway, um. And, and the weird Rosendahl love comment, I take that back to. <laughs> yeah, so I got my ass kicked. I, we, we made the point. <laughs> so what, I, what we were talking about why people... I was make, trying to make the point earlier that we have corruption in every city. It's It depends on the character of the person and they're making some kind of calculation of, should I do this? You know, what are the, what are the risks? I'm assuming that they even engage in that in that discussion. But, but do you think that there's a problem, a vetting problem, vetting candidates? Does it go to the root of how people are even on the ballot in the first place to run for city council? Is there a way that we could reform that so that people would have more information about their candidates? I feel like there's a lot of reflexive um, action at the vo- at the the voting booth where you see a name Leland, yeah. and, and okay, I'm going to vote for Leland. He, you know, he's we have a pr- primarily African American city, you know, that va- va- vast majority. What is it? It's still eighty percent or something, and. You know, he was the only white guy on the city council. You ran into him over sushi. You can attest that he's no, he's no rocket science not scientist. And so, wh- why did he get elected? Was it because his last name was Leland? Yes, most likely, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, it, had you definitively changed- yes, and because the Lelands had this little trick where they would try and put somebody in a primary whose name sounded like. Yeah. Or they looked like the candidate that was the greatest threat to their electoral success. They're very crafty. It's a good move. Right. Very and, crafty. And uh, Mayor Coleman Young's son, cha- I think, changed his name. Yeah. To have the name. And other people have changed their name to sound like, you know, the name that people know. So maybe there's a there's a problem there, too. It's just an education problem. Um, that, as to, to, to take your point from earlier, that's a problem everywhere. That's not unique yeah. to Detroit. That's true. I mean, why do we have RFK Jr.? Who's a psychopath getting any attention is because of everything before the junior name. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. But I, I would just like uh, it would be nice to see more people. Maybe it's maybe it's you know the prize at the end of winning. The salary is not enough, or the you know whatever it is. You're just not getting the kind of candidates that you would get that maybe we're putting in for a different type of position. And so you know that's that's a problem too that I, see. I i can think of one outstanding candidate who didn't get elected but 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 i also ran on a platform that was largely about ending this kind of shit and apparently that wasn't a big enough issue for people in my district and that's that's fine but could you really but, 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 but the thing is you don't have to be a crime fighter to say i'm not going to tolerate criminality among my colleagues. You were I'm hamstrung. not going to excuse it. You were hamstrung, ML. You couldn't even talk about some of your greatest accomplishments. You had to put that to the side. Yeah, but that, I mean, I didn't, I didn't lose because of, uh, because of my reporting helped take down one of the most corrupt mayors in the history of Detroit. I mean, that's not why I lost. There's all kinds of reasons why, why I wasn't successful, some of which were our fault, some of which were our opponent looked pretty good. Some of which were the media didn't do a very good job of covering the race and 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 introducing all the candidates uh, in an objective way. But uh, but ultimately, I was an unsuccessful candidate because I did not have a message that resonated with enough people. Yeah, because I don't think there. I think people are exhausted by public corruption and just think it happens and it's going to keep happening. And well, if, the, doc- right, if the doctor tells you. You got to stop smoking or you're going to die. And you don't stop smoking, you're going to die. And if we're tired of talking about corruption, we're going to have it more and more and more. Right, Sean? 
Is Sean still with us? Do you think Sean's still with us? Um, I think we should call somebody. <laughs> Sean? Oh, maybe he's not with us. He just texted me a question mark. Oh, okay. Well, why did you? What uh, did you want to uh, bring up with Sean? So, oh well, hey, before we you before we let Mike, well, Mike saying everything, and he agrees with everything I said. Mike, <laughs> yeah, thanks. No, that's probably true. Thanks for coming on. It's great to have you because you, uh, for many years, were the tip of the spear when it came to fighting public corruption in this city. I know your sense of moral outrage is high, and that you didn't want to tolerate anybody who would get away with this kind of stuff. Now, I know you'll argue the exact contrary from now until the end of your career, but I want to thank you for your work fighting public corruption. I'm sure on some level you're just as disappointed as I am that it continues to be as robust as ever, but, uh, but I know that you're also going to represent your clients, make sure their rights are respected, and that when somebody comes after them that they do it the right way and they have the evidence to support the charges, which is also a very important part of of our system, and that's why this this Spivey thing to me is, is shows just how broken our system is. Because he's not disputing any of the allegations; he's admitted to all of it. And for other, for some people, it's still like, yeah, but it's still okay. And you are now a federal defense attorney, correct? Yes, federal criminal defense attorney. Where do people hire you? How do they find you? Um, they can go to my website, bolottalaw.com, dot b u l l o t t a. Not laudable. Laudable backwards, actually. Oh. Okay, so wow, really wait bad. a minute. A defense attorney whose name spelled backwards is a lot of bull. <laughs> I try to keep that in the demo. Damn, <laughs> that's just kind of a great investigation that ML does. Yeah, and and Mike actually he changed his surname from uh, wrongful conviction to his Michael wrongful conviction. <laughs> he thought Bellotta would be better, but you know we. I like the Gordon Gecko comment better. Let's go back to that. Well, I, since I spectacularly was it, a, I was like a flaming turd before the vote. What did you say? I was, was yeah. I was like the Saddam Hussein, Hussein statue in Baghdad of candidates. It was very hurtful. Sean, are you there now? Sean, paging with Sean Windsor. Paging. Yeah, Sean. I'm, I'm here. Ooh. I'm here. Ooh, this is the COVID recovering Sean Windsor. Yeah, are we ready for this, or do you need another hour? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, th- we thought we'd give you two weeks off, but I guess that's not enough. That's so. what I miss out of you. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mr. Sean Windsor. How you boys doing? We're great. How are you, though? You sound like you're about to die. Yeah, we were, no, we were doing fine before no. your unwarranted attack. You don't have any. What was the unwarranted attack? That you solved the world's problems, I hope? Always. There's, every, another, there's another one. It's, every it's, week. It's your, Good. it's your subtle suggestion that we don't care about the people. Oh, well, that, if that's what you took from that, I, that's my fault. I wasn't clear enough. So you've had, you've had COVID now for like three weeks. Uh, not quite, but yeah. Oh, almost three weeks. Are you, did yeah. you tested recently? Uh, I'm going to test again. I'm going to test today. Yeah, actually, I just got some home tests. So you must really like it. Uh, yeah, I love it. Like you. <laughs> no, no, I didn't like it. I will tell you this, though, that being sick allowed me to do a lot of binge watching. And, of course, I watched a lot of very old series. But I did finally, reluctantly, because I ran out of other stuff to watch, tune into Ted Lasso, or Ted Lasso, as they <laughs> oh say. God, something it, from this century. As, as kids from, uh, from uh, Columbus call them. But um, great show. I, I, I'm reluctant to follow the crowd, but in this case, I'm really glad I did. Have you watched both seasons? I did. And you like the second season still? I did because I actually felt the first couple episodes were very predictable. Like, oh, this is going to happen. And then it happened. And then this is going to happen. Oh, and then it happened. 
But then it started to kind of take its own journey where I was like, oh, I didn't see this happening. And oh, that's great. You know, I thought it was just going to be this corny, jokey character, which he still kind of was. But in the second season, where you start to see his anxiety and you start to get some of his backstory, and I didn't expect this lovable teddy bear of a guy to have a very lovely and, and sensitive and kind wife who couldn't stand his ass. Um, that that kind of surprised me. Season one, I mean, it works because the main character is not an ass. I mean, I like shows where the guy's an asshole, like Curb Your Enthusiasm, <laughs> Sunny in Philadelphia. I mean, th- these are some of right. the well, worst. They, the they Office. S- I mean, there's a, just really bad character people, but Ted La- Lasso, as you want to call him, um, is so he's such a good character. But the conflict was with that team who were kind of curmudgeon, a little angry at this outsider. But now that that's kind of resolved in season two, I'm kind of done with it. Well, I, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens in season three. But I was um, bummed out by season two. But my favorite character is Roy Kent, so I, I, I consider sure. it the Roy Kent show, not uh, not Ted Lasso. Sean, care to opine? It's a voice that you love. No, I'm just. Are you sure you don't want to keep talking about Gabe Leland? Actually, it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like Roy Kent. You know, <laughs> you got more punishment than Gabe Leland did, Sean. Do you think that's justice? Uh, I don't worry about such things. You know, I just try to uh, like wearing a mask. <laughs> Try to be, yeah, I try to wear a mask, try to be uh, decent where I can, and, uh, you know, go from there. But I did miss him as much as I thought I would. <laughs> such a you know, I really, I really thought this was going to be a heartwarming moment, but it's, it's that turned out. Well, you know, it would, maybe next week, uh, hopefully by next week, I'll have my voice back for the most part. Actually, if you have laryngitis, I'd prefer that. <laughs> I yeah, I'm sure, you, I'm sure you would. No, 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 man. I was just, I'm a little sleepy. I, I went and got a cot after listening to that for the last hour. It was, it was uh, yeah. Well, sorry, sorry, we required you to get up by noon. <laughs> no, it, it is was, your boss it, it listening? Are you are you milking no. this COVID? What's that? Some people are implying that you're milking this COVID. Oh, there's some people. I don't know. We've actually started fundraising from it unintentionally. We have people sending donations to the show saying, I want Sean back. Like we're somehow, you know, uh, sequestering him. Are you, are you still isolating yourself uh, at home? For the most part. Well, oh, my, that's yeah. why. Yeah. yeah. A lot of alone time. Yeah. There are other people in the house that have it. Is this, admit, really? the, admit the silver line. Oh, really? Oh, boy. Are they okay? Yeah. They're, they're, Can I make jokes about it yet? Yeah. They're, they're, they're okay. But, uh, yeah. So admit that the silver lining is to have some alone time. Uh, I don't know about alone time. Oh, you're, the, you're the worst. Here's what, here's what I will here's say. Here's the silver that, lining. People worst. now have a, medic, a medical reason to avoid him. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah the, for sure, for sure. No, the uh, the silver lining is the, is the break from uh, writing. From the show? Oh, from the right. Yeah, because your first column, I think this month was just uh, two days ago, right? Was that the one yeah, Hunter the Dickinson first, is God? It's the first... It First column in three, almost exactly three weeks, because the last column I wrote was from Seattle with the Lions and Seahawks on a, on a Sunday. So, yeah, that's the longest I'd ever gone in my, since I started in my career about 25 years ago. Showed. Damn. I'm sure, I'm sure it did. <laughs> Sean, um, just uh, because you are a sportsman, uh, uh, Carl gave me a 12-pack of Altus Sportsman Copper Lager. I'm going to share with you because I think it may heal the sick. It's that You good. think so? We're going to try it. We're going to test my theory. So do you know um, who Roy Kent is patterned after on you. Ted Lasso? I do. Is it a... Yeah, you. It's, he's patterned after you. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a defender than a midfielder. Is it an American athlete or no. is, it a, is it a soccer player? 
I believe it is. I mean, they, 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 they have, I don't know if they said this or not, but he's clearly Roy Keane, the former captain of Manchester United, uh, hard man, mm-hmm. aggressive, became a broadcaster known for his, uh, his unvarnished opinions and rivalry with Jimmy, Jamie Carricker. I mean, if if you go on YouTube, just look up the best of Roy Keane. It is fantastic. I'm just I'm just excited you're watching a show. That's I am made, more interested. That's been made recently. I am more interested in soccer because of Roy Keane's commentary than anything I've ever seen on the pitch. And yes, I've watched it, so now I can call it the pitch. pitch. But um, but yeah, he's great. The difference is Roy Keane was a coach and then became a pundit, whereas Roy Kent is a pundit who became a coach and he was only briefly a pundit, but uh, but he was great. That's a good show. Mark, Mark, can we uh can we go back to your yes. not liking season two for a second? Yes, please. So I didn't, I, it's I not that I, I didn't like it. I was a little disappointed in it. I don't think that it's you that you have to have assholes necessarily. I think no, but that you, have it's to have, just, you have to have conflict. You, exactly. You want the you want the tension. So so don't don't sell yourself short by saying you're drawn to, to pricks. You're uh, although you are drawn to me and Mike. But um say, Leave me that leave me yes, out of it, Coach Beard. The <laughs> They're way more entertaining though. Oh, I'll tell you. Yeah, I mean, you, you want me. the tension. You want the yeah, tension. Season tension. two, though, I don't. I'm not buying this. Nate is the villain guy. I, I don't. That character turned. That that kind of. See what I'm saying? Going to work. Yeah, that's not going to work. Now, no, here, I actually, I actually buy it. You've been in journalism a long time, Mike. How many people have you come across that that get angry because somebody else has something? You know what I mean? Does that sound familiar at all? Somebody else has a little bit more than you do. Not you specifically. No, that's because I'm Irish. And people get mad, and so I completely buy that. That's how the world works to a large degree. Is that why you hate me, because I'm so much better than you? <laughs> no, my point is I don't worry about that sort oh. of thing. It's life's, yeah. But you, you, don't, you don't, there's enough you don't challenge the assertion. What, uh, I'm a vastly superior creature. No, of course you are, but okay. that's, that's fine Fantastic. with me. Fantastic. You know, I can't wait to get back in the studio. This new attitude that's, is... So here's my question. Is Sean... The Ted Lasso of this show, and is Mark the uh, the coach Beard, or who's who? And can we please can we please get a Keely in this show? Yeah, we have a Kalina, but she's she's uh, a little don't more say reserved. it. Whatever you're gonna say, don't no, say she it. she's a little more reserved and a little more careful about her oh entanglements. Than, no, uh, you're the Carrie of the show. The who? The Carrie. <laughs> Who's carrying Mark on it? That was a joke from Mark. Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I I thought you meant the chick who had a bad prom because mine, you know, wasn't See, that bad. That, that's a show from the '90s and now recently. That's why you would have no idea for that reference. Oh damn. Okay. Uh, Sean, what's the status of the Carlos and Sean podcast? Have you been doing it? I have not. Oh wow. Okay, so it's not. I just wanted to make sure because I was going to be very mad no. if you're doing that one and not this. No, one. no. It's I mean, Carlos. Is, last week he did it with Dave Burkett, and the week before he did it with Jeff Rieger. Actually, and, they Sean did. They haven't posted it yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't done it. I, I'm I'm going to try to be part of it later this afternoon. I don't know if that's such a smart idea. You hear me now, but you sound better now that you're talking more. You'll be we'll fine. see. All right. Yeah, well, 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 go back to bed then. We're, we're glad, as usual, to help you prep for the things you really care about. No, actually, I've just been sitting here working on a 
Well, no, I was keenly listening to the corruption in Detroit because it's so it's so new. Such a lie. But I was. Uh, <laughs> it is new. This is new. It is a new story. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I Sean. Was, uh, by the way, please don't give any money to cancer research or starving children because it's it's, it's just so going to keep happening. It's been, it's been around yeah, forever. You know, this no, this no, whole I, leukemia and, and, thing. It's time for us to give up. And I love the way you equated death, and now you're doing it again with cancer, with people taking a few bucks on the side to buy a car. Oh, that's a great. Oh. That's a great analogy. But in any case. No, the no, no, death of hope is the yeah. saddest funeral to attend, Sean. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like that. No, I'm working on a column about Cut uh, him off now. Matthew Matthew oh. Sam. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. I mean, no one's written about that. So Yeah. No, but uh, nobody's written what I'm going to write. You know, what are you going to write? Can you give us uh, in a, love little, with Matthew stuff. a little bit the, of insight? The, the, yeah. the, this is a unique, I don't want to say uniquely to, it's not uniquely Detroit, but it is unique to Detroit. There's, there's a, in the history of the NFL, there's never been a situation where a, a high draft pick has spent so long with one team and had the kind of uh, love-hate relationship with this fan base and then move to another team and be on the brink of the Super Bowl. It's just never happened before, right? And, and the way we talk about him, the way so many fans love and are living through his success, and then the way the other half of the fans are like, you know, screw you. It's just it's very, very unique to this fan base, to this organization, to 50 years of one, 60 years of one playoff game, whatever. I mean, it's just, it's very, very us. And uh, it's, you know, like a lot of things around here. Well said. Thank Amen. you, Sean. So, Amen. So if, I, so if I can figure out how to write that, then I'll be okay. You just did. Just transcribe it. <laughs> All right. We'll see him. Go get some rest. Feel better. Thanks, man. Thanks. Uh, it's good to see you guys. Right. Uh, hopefully, yeah. hopefully next week I'll be there. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to our St. Patrick's Day episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek or we're turning into cool guys? So just because we've provided some proof of life that Sean hasn't been chopped up into little pieces, uh, we still would appreciate donations uh, to help speed Sean's recovery. And uh, I can't believe how much COVID's knocked him out, man. I know. Well, I think he's, you know, he's, um, some of it's sympathy pain. He's like, uh, you know, if the antibody kills COVID is I'm taking life from a, oh, but, but vi- viruses <laughs> don't, they're not alive. So he should just fight it. Just fight it. Stop it. I'm just fine. Trying to get away, get along with COVID. I- Omicron. I'm trying to make a friend of Omicron. No, no, don't. Who's your geek? Take it down. Oh yeah. So right wingers love to carp about fake news, which is ironic since they seem to create more of it than anyone else. The latest example is Lisa Hansen, who complained at a recent Midland school board meeting that litter boxes had been added to the unisex bathrooms for students who identify as cats. I was stunned, Ma Hansen told the board, and today I am equally stunned and a little bit upset. Well, not a little bit. A little bit upset. Furious! I would even use that word. Ma Hansen said the litter boxes were part of a nationwide nefarious agenda before conceding that she hadn't done her homework before popping off. She also said, I'm all for creativity and imagination, but when someone lives in a fantasy world and expects other people to go along with it, I have a problem with that. That's especially precious, given that she is the one living in a fantasy world and expecting other people to go along with her. So yes, if you have not figured it out yet, the bathroom debate, does not include whether we should have litter boxes for furries. Where did she even get that from? Oh, well, here's the beautiful part. Uh, she heard it. 
Yeah, she just uh, she told the New York Times that she was just a concerned mom trying to protect my child. We parents aren't sure what our schools are up to, she wrote in an email to the Times. That's a problem. Accountability is not a crime. She heard this somewhere and didn't research it. In fact, she said, uh, I do need to look into this a little more closely. Well, yeah, how could you, you know, could you maybe like do your reporting before you publish? Biatch. <laughs> so what should be a crime is making a fuss when you don't know what you're talking about. But the best we can do is bring a measure of accountability because she says she likes accountability. And that's why we're naming Lisa Fake News Hansen our Geek of the Week. Since we made Sean wait long enough for his favorite segment on the show, we're going to dive right into Room 609 with a tune from a German new wave band named Propaganda, signed by the man who created the 80s, Trevor Horn. Here they are performing their underappreciated hit, P colon Machinery. Oh, my God. 
On joyless lanes we walk in lines, a calm but steady flow, accompanied by loud commands. Our strength is running low. The song was terrible. Did 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 you need me to? <laughs> that song was awful. Was there any question whatsoever that this was by a German new wave band? Rotating wheels are destiny in flame. The city lies. Machines call out for followers far out into the night. The cause of the machines drowning where did in the you, steam. Where did you come up with this? Like, this one. I'm so, that, that sprockets. <laughs> yeah. So what? So you know, th- there are some there are some giants of new wave who come from uh, Germanic countries. Uh, Falco, Kraftwerk, of course, um, and ninety uh, nine uh, left balloons, lady. Oh, uh, no. left balloons. Nina. Um, Nina. And uh, Forever Young, Alphaville, fantastic group. Uh, all, all kinds of good groups. Hate that song. <laughs> Propaganda um, is uh, a band that kind of didn't really make it. They had some limited stuff. The the, the hitch was sort of a a matter of timing. When they came together, they were signed to Trevor Horn's new label. Uh, Trevor Horn, you may know as the bespectacled gentleman who sings uh, Video Killed the Radio Star from Buggles. He's sort of known as the man who invented the 80s because he was involved in so many... 80s acts as a producer sometimes as a performer he was briefly in yes but um you know kind of a studio genius type guy but um he he kind of signed them and got them going under his new label but at the same time frankie goes to hollywood jumped off and so propaganda kind of got forgotten about good and put together some (laughs) I happen to like this song. You I like think, that? I do. I, I kind of like the pretentious lyrics. I like the synth. It's danceable, you okay, know. Can I, a serious question. And, and I just admire anybody who writes pop music in a different language because it's such a, a minefield when you try and make rhymes and you don't quite understand the language. And I think, I think, I think Spivey you know. has to listen to that song. Himself. I think that's part <laughs> well, of the sentence. Michael, Meanwhile, Gabe Leland gets ABBA. <laughs> Cave Leland, <laughs> Spice Girls. But, but in what mood and where are you when you put something like that on? Driving? Is that a driving song? I mean, what is that? Uh, oh, hey, I, I went to a Sex lot dungeon? of... Yeah, exactly. I went to a <laughs> lot of clubs. Hanging out with mayor, uh, the mayor of uh, Middlesex? No, no, no. I went to a <laughs> lot of Bob. clubs in the 80s and early 90s where you would, you would hear this playing and people would be out dancing. In fact, I went to the city club one time and there was a guy out there dancing by himself, and he had this light thing where it ran along his shoulders, and he would dance, and it was a pulsing light, and he could press a button because you could tell because he'd, he'd make a gesture with his hand, and then the lights would change color. That dude would be dancing like to this. Any other Are you sure performer? he was dancing to that song? I'm guessing he had heard something else in his head. He yeah, may have been rolling on something as well. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but no, this is this kind of awful. stuff. This is this is. Uh, very danceable and uh, and it, it kind of captures that whole 80s you know everything is you know one wrong move and we're gone you know that yeah. it's all on the line you know ah I love that angsty sort of poppy synth bandy stuff and uh, Todd with 1D I, I apologize for that four minutes you'll never get it back wait did um, he actually su- did another Todd suggest that song oh, that no but oh, but, okay. but, but, but Todd but, month or something yeah, how does that fit but into Todd month Todd with 1D uh uh 
hates this segment whenever whenever he can't uh, those precious moments those precious grains of sand slip through the hourglass never to be uh, never to be reclaimed even if he were to flip that si- that hourglass the, back the only over one. again oh that's kind of a heavy concept anyway but uh, so uh, yes propaganda and if you don't like propaganda please suggest something better for next week's Gladly. installment of Room 7609 <laughs> yeah, exactly. and we've had no nominations there's my suggestion for the next song for top propaganda well, they only had a couple songs, so we could Good. go through the whole catalog and be done. Nothing by March. related to that either. But, but you know, he, you you probably have heard propaganda, and and when I tell you where you probably heard them, it will make perfect sense. Because a couple of their tunes were used uh, as like a music bed on Miami Vice. Can't you just hear that playing while Crockett and Tubbs are going through a disco, or they're out on a boat somewhere at night going to pick up a key from somebody or other? I just always thought it was Jan Hammer. No, 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 no. He's uh, another, another. There you go. Uh, I wouldn't quite call him New Wave because he's too corny. But um, I love this arbiter of what is New Wave and what isn't. <laughs> well, basically, rules seem to change every week. Well, if you totally blow, I'm trying to push you out of the New Wave suite. We kind of move on and get some new guests in there. But we still want to do Todd Month. We need some help. So if you're interested in Todd Month, give us something, anything related to Todd, and we will get some New Wave. <laughs> Todd music out there. So ridiculous. Yeah. And um, we want to thank our donors and advertisers. Certainly if you do business with David Hall or Luke Nowacki or if you buy some Altus, let them know how you found out of them. Tell them ML sent you. And uh, and since I'm unemployed, save those cans for me if you're drinking Altus. I'll take those back to the store. Um, we want to thank our generous donor, Bryant, who supports us on a regular basis. So regular a basis that uh, I think it's fair to call him an underwriter of the show along with uh, a couple other folks who just are just uh, heroes to us here on the unemployment line. Uh, Bryant says he's looking forward to getting Sean back and maybe someday hearing something out of Zooves. So I know we're Keep running kind of long uh, because we had a great guest, very knowledgeable. We could go all day with Mike, but he's got to go back and charge some criminals $450 an hour for his time. <laughs> that's, Alleged. That's is it baladalaw.com? What is that again? Um, and, uh, and, uh, so, so we, we have some great correspondence. We always, we not, always not have lows and cheap shot. No, we, we always have, uh, we always have great feedback from, uh, from our listeners. We have some great, we're going to hold it till next week because, uh, we're running a little long and, uh, but not long enough that we don't have time to beg for more donations. Mark, how do people support? Uh, MLSolidetroit.com little donate button there. Just hit PayPal. It's painless until the end of the month. Uh, we also would encourage you to sponsor the show. If you have a business or a product you'd like people to know about, please let us know. We are one of the top news and commentary podcasts in the country, and I think the top one in Michigan and almost certainly the Midwest. So we have a pretty loyal audience. We'd love to connect you and your business with them. And I'm wondering, just send me some feedback at mlsoulofdetroit at gmail.com. If we offered an incentive program for donors, would that encourage you to open up your wallets along with your heart? So if, like, say you give us a certain amount of money, Every month we send you a hoodie or a T-shirt or make a uh, an experience available. Like we all go out to the Cadu and and uh, Feather Bowl or something. Let let me know because uh, we want to do everything we can to both uh, increase the bonds between you and the show and the bonds between us and your dough. So uh, you know, <laughs> help us. Um, I was going to ask what's Sean up to, but it sounds like uh, the same. Yeah. His metabolism is somewhere along that of a lizard in the Antarctic. He hasn't changed one bit. <laughs> no, he's uh, 
Well, he's Sean. What can I tell you? Um, and I do think he's the Ted Lasso of this show. A very soulful man who only wants people to succeed. He lacks his energy, though. He's not worried about wins and losses. He's more worried about souls than X's and O's. But also, has a dark side. Dark. Scary. <laughs> ugly side. Um, but you know who doesn't? Who? Charlie Duff. He's just a light-hearted little fairy who, who floats around like... Uh, like Peter Pan and the, uh, what are the kids who are never going to grow up? The Lost Boys. The Lost Boys, yes. So he's, he's just a ray of sunshine that you can catch here on the Red Shovel Network. And, uh, and we're getting the bum rush so they can get the Drew and Mike show going. So don't miss that because uh, if it's good enough to preempt this show, it's got to be pretty damn good. And if you don't trust me, trust Cyrus, who will tell you right after he takes us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? I think you'll both agree that next week's show is just wonderful because we're going to tell the heartwarming story of one of the most glamorous couples in show business. It's Paramount Pictures' screen hit, Somebody Loves Me, and recreating her original role as the entrancing Blossom Seeley, we'll have Betty Hutton, co-starring with Gene Barry as Betty Field. What a great story that is. Good night. Good night, night, and we'll be seeing you.